Please uh, turn in your scriptures to Psalm 28, or it's also in the bulletin, Psalm 28. I was doing a funeral one time, and it was uh, downpouring, and it was very packed underneath there, and I was right in the back, and the water just dripped constantly down my back. Now that was that was not fun. But uh, Psalm 28, this is God's word for us this morning. Now hear God's word. To you, O Lord, I call. This is David. My rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. When I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to their evil deeds. Give to them according to their work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Please pray with me. Gracious God, be our helper. Be our strength. Even right now, by your spirit, dry off our wet and soaking bones and our minds and our hearts and enlighten them, warm them, quicken them to realize what is ours because of Jesus Christ. That we may be strengthened for the day and for the trials ahead until we behold you in pure glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 28 is a uh, psalm written by David. This is mighty David who, Scripture tells us, killed a, a, a bear. Mighty David who killed a lion. Mighty David who uh, slew Goliath, this great mighty man. And this is mighty David who's afraid. This is mighty David who's feeling absolutely helpless right now because of what he's going through. Just to simplify this sermon, is this message, it's basic and it's simple. It declares to us that we are as humans, as mankind, man, woman, four years old, 40 years old, we are truly helpless. You are helpless but also declares that there is help. And then it tells us, therefore cry out for help. And so to begin, we are helpless. Scripture is, is plain about this throughout all of it. We are fallen men and fallen women living in a fallen world. And the reality is, we can't do anything to fix it. We can't control it. 
it's quite a provocative and and bold statement because I don't know you. I'm a visiting pastor, but regardless who would be in the congregation right now, I can declare to you that you are helpless. You are weak. You are limited. You're not as strong as you think you are. This is uh, a point that we all get to and we all understand at some point in our lives. Many people, COVID-19 has quicken them to this reality but it's not just in this generation in all generations mankind realizes that he's man and he's weak even this and this isn't a political statement but this is something that will grasp the president is even limited in his power there's a time where it says stop and even the president the most powerful man in the world can't go any further Kings can't go any further. Queens can't go any further. You and I cannot go as we always want. We are helpless and we live in a fallen world. And uh, David points this out. He, 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 he said, sheds a little bit more gloom and, and cloud even though the sun's peeking out. And he declares that not only are we helpless and we live in a fallen world, but there's judgment coming. There's imminent judgment coming. David points this out when he says, uh, in verse 1, he says, um, Help me, Lord. Don't be silent unless I go down to the pit. And he's going to talk again. And he's going to talk in verse 3. Do not drag me off with the wicked. There's this pit. There's this dragging off against their own will that David's talking about that's going to happen. He's talking about the final judgment. In an instant, Jesus could return. He could return before the sermon is over. And for many, that's going to be the start of their dragging off. That's going to be their walking towards the pit. This eternal punishment. This righteous and holy God who controls all, regardless of if we acknowledge Him or honor Him, has judgment. He has a law. He has a rule. And if you break that rule, there is punishment for it. And David is saying... Oh, Lord, let that not be me. Let me not be dragged off. Let me not be consumed by you. So David, right off the bat, is describing the world in which we live in. We are a fallen people living in a fallen world faced with imminent judgment coming upon us. And David is just recognizing that situation. Now that fallenness shows itself in many different ways. It, it, it makes us feel helpless in many different ways. It, it can be finances. It can be our health. I, I have a family member that's beginning uh, of dementia. And recognize you can't put a stop to that. It's a downward hill and, 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 and there's nothing you can do. Our helplessness faces us when our, our our kids, our grandkids go in directions that we don't want. Society goes in a direction we don't want. An election might uh, fall in places that we didn't want. We are faced with our helplessness. And the helplessness could just be depression. The helplessness could be a gloom of darkness and despair. At some point, you will feel that helplessness. Some of you are in that helplessness. Right now. And David is acknowledging that. And he's acknowledging the righteousness of God and the judgment coming. 
And he's asking God, please, you're being silent. You're not taking this away. You're not giving me relief at this point. Have you forgotten me? And can't we just feel like that sometimes? That maybe I'm just going to be lumped in with the whole. With all the, the, the sin and the fallingness that we live amongst. That God just might forget to pluck me out. He, he just might judge me with the others. And David is saying, please don't do that. But David knows God. Just like I hope that you know God. And if you know God, and you know His Word, you know He's merciful. You know that there's, a, there's another way, there's an option. There's hope for us. And so that's what David's doing. In verse 2 and verse 6, he's pleading for mercy. He says he acknowledges, and here's the thing that you and I get in. We're helpless against the fallenness of the world. We're helpless because we're, 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 we're weak. And we're helpless under God's judgment because God will judge sin. And we're helpless because we too are sinners. And so David knows that he doesn't have a foot to stand on that's going to protect him from this judgment of God on his own. But he knows God is merciful. So he leans into that and he depends on God's mercy. And therefore he cries out because there is a difference between you and the world. There's a difference between your helplessness and their helplessness. And that is that you know God. And Paul, uh, David even says down here, he declares that difference between you and me and the rest of the, the world that doesn't believe God. Verse 5, he says, They don't regard the works of the Lord, the works of His hands. We're all helpless, but some of us acknowledge that there is a God. And some don't. But if you acknowledge that there is a God, you also acknowledge that there is hope. And therefore, our helplessness needs to be confronted with the fact that there is help. And there is help. There's amazing help. This is the best part of this whole message. That if you hold on to anything, if you're going to write anything in your notebook, or if you're going to write anything and put it on your, your fridge, this is what you need to put down. This is the help that the scripture in this short passage, these nine verses, declares to us the help that is there. Verse 1, David declares, God, you are my rock. Verse 7, God, you are my strength and my shield. Verse 8, God, you are a saving refuge. Verse 9, God, you are a shepherd. Beginning with the rock. In times of chaos and in times of trial, everything that we think we have to stand on is washed away with a flood. It's taken out from underneath our feet. It becomes like quickstand, and our, and our feet are unstable. Our, our 401k becomes unstable. Our job that we have seniority in becomes unstable. The friendships that we had that we leaned on can become unstable. The name, our, our, our history, our resumes can become unstable. The health of our children can become unstable. Anything we have stood upon in this world that we thought, now I'm secure, now I'm strong becomes unstable at some point in life. But not God. God is a rock. He is one that we plant our feet upon and we will not be moved. If your hope is in God, you have something that regardless of an election, regardless of your age, regardless of your health, regardless of your income, 
regardless of what month it is, whether you feel good, whether you don't feel good, it doesn't change. He's always there. He's never changed. He's as strong today as He was yesterday. He's as gracious today as He was yesterday. His promises are as sure today as they were yesterday, and they will be tomorrow. David says, God, all else is a wash, but you are my rock. I still have you, and having you, I have everything. He goes on, he says, verse 7, you are my strength and my shield. I love this. Yes, Scripture declares that when you and I grow tired, right, tired of parenting, I have four kids, it's exhausting. Tired of work, the changes that are constantly happening, tired of society, tired of sin. God does promise to renew our strength, to strengthen us, that we'll mount up on wings like eagles. That he will give us strength for the task ahead. But that's not the strength that's talking about here. The strength that's talking about here is that God is our strength. It's more of the picture of all Israel when they were standing against the Philistines and David went out to fight for them. It was us against them. Israel against the Philistines. What do you got? And they had David. Mighty David who came out there and fought for them. My boys, um, I have four boys, 10 and under, and they play Pokemon. Anybody heard of Pokemon? Well, you have these cards, and you battle in Pokemon. And... Can I drop them? I keep wearing out the batteries. Check, check. Check, check. Check one, two. Check one, two. No problem. You're good. I one time uh, was a guest preacher at a church. Preached for 45 minutes. I won't do that here. Um, Large church. At the end, I stood at the door. Everybody came through. Great sermon. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Great sermon. Second to last lady says, you know your mic was off. (laughs) We couldn't hear you. They're all liars in church. So I, I love it when people actually come up and solve it because I'm not much to look at. You need to hear the God's word. But he, my boys have these Pokemon cards. And on these Pokemon cards, they have a little line that says strength. And some are 50 strength. Some are 100 strength. They're always searching for these cards that are like 200 strength. Well, in the, this situation, God says in your trial, in your struggle, your strength is God. And who's stronger than God? Whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, whatever trial, whatever rock it feels like you're under, where's the strength going to come to lift that rock, to push away that gloom, to stop the voices? Your strength is God Himself standing in you. You and I are still laying there exhausted, afraid, outdone, sweating, panting, we're at the end of ourselves, but our strength is God. That's what David is declaring right here. Now David declares that God is his strength, but God is also his shield. Picture, we're, we're talking about King David and, and 
back in biblical times in these battles, they had shields, they had spears, they had bow and arrows. If you could block that, you were okay. You could go against the, the defenses. Picture these huge shields. Remember King David was given um, uh, Saul's shield and he couldn't even pick it up. It was gigantic. You could hide his entire body behind it. That's the kind of shield that David says, God, you are that to me. You protect me. There's no rain coming around that's going to get me. There's, there's no arrow that can get past you. You protect me. David says that's what he has. That is the help that we have in God. Verse 8, he goes on to say that God is a saving refuge. This rain yesterday... Uh, one of my other jobs is I'm a hot dog vendor and I often set up in Belboa Park and I've got a cart and yesterday the rain was blowing and storm was threatening so I did set up and took the family and I went for a hike up in the mountains great day to go for a hike up in the mountains it was like this and the wind was blowing sideways and rain was hitting but my boys were so excited to be outside and so we, we parked the car and we went out there and they, I felt I was embarrassed because a couple other hikers had like this Gore-Tex gear on and my kids had sandals and shorts and I'm just the worst dad in the world but they were having a blast but by the end we were bitter cold I had a kid in this arm, a kid in this arm one crying back here and we got back to the car and we took off all the mud and we, we turned on the heater for the first time in 8 months and just it was a refuge and we all sat there just protected from the rain and the source and we had snacks and it was it was awesome and that's what God is like for us. He's a shelter that we can go to even in times of trouble. And David isn't just giving us lip service guys. David was a, a, a man of great valor, a man of great highs, but also, also a man who, who experienced deep, deep lows that many of us would not and will not experience. Being chased and, and, and rebelled against by his son, Absalom, uh, Saul, the king being after him, David on the run for multiple years, his life put on hold, and he was innocent, he was faithful to the king, great injustice done to him. So you and I, in our uh, struggles and trials and the injustice that we, we battle, we have a saving refuge. We have a place we can go where it's warm, where we're protected, where we're guarded. And finally, David recognizes God isn't just a place to go to, a rock, strength, the shield. He's also our shepherd. And I love this. I love this. Who knows exactly what to do next in your life? Who knows exactly your plan for the next three years, the next four years, or even this week? Many of us don't know what's going on, what we should do. We have these wants, we have these desires that aren't being fulfilled or maybe they're being fulfilled or we've got these choices and we don't know. Well, we have a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Yes, he protects. Yes, he feeds. But he also leads. He guides. You can take it off your plate. I'm not saying don't think. Don't look, don't weigh the positives, the neg negatives. But God is David's shepherd. God is going to show you what to do. David knows that. He says, I don't know the future, but I know the one I follow. When I became a pastor, there was this elder who has been a missionary for about 
60 years in Jamaica and then Spain. And this elder, on the day that I was ordained, gave me this big bell. And this elder was a very sentimental guy. So you never knew what you are going to get. And I got this bell, loud bell with this big old Spanish ribbon around it. He says, do you know what this is? He said, this is the, the, the lead sheep's bell. The, the shepherd will put this bell on the sheep. And this sheep, the shepherd knows, is always going to be following the shepherd. And then the other sheep follow the sound of the bell and they follow the shepherd folks follow the shepherd he will lead you he will guide you he knows what tomorrow holds we are not without a map there is a map for your life there is a perfect plan for your life we just don't have it in our hands it's in the shepherd's hands we just need to keep our eyes on the shepherd and he will guide us. And so Paul, David declares, we are helpless. We are fallen people living in a fallen world, suffering all sorts of trials and tribulations and circumstances. And we're sinners ourselves. We deserve God's righteous judgment. There's judgment coming. But God is merciful. And he's merciful and he provides all this help, all these different avenues of help. And so what should we do? We cry out for it. We cry out for it and that's what many of us are not doing. This is what we need to do. We need to cry out for help. Look at uh, David in, in the passage. Verse 1, he says, I call out to you, God. I call out to you. Verse 2, he pleads with God. Verse 2, he says he cries out for help. Verse 2, he says he lifts his hand towards God for help. Saints, we know the struggle. We know the fear. We know the anxiety. And the reality is many of us know that God is helpful. That there's help in God. But then we don't do anything about it. We don't cry out. We don't plead. We might ask, we might add it in our prayer list, we might tell somebody, please pray for this, but are we crying out? Are our knuckles white with grabbing God's cloak and saying, please help me? Usually not. We give up quickly. And we, we, we like little kids, we, we, we frustrate. He's not helping me, he's leaving me, he's abandoned me. No saints. We need to cry out. We need to plead with God. I love that verse too. Uh, David says, I lift my hands up towards your most holy sanctuary. And it's a reminder of yesterday with my little four-year-old. And he's a little guy and we're on the trail and he's cold. And he just comes running. Uh, uh, up, up, lift me up. He's not just saying it with the words, but his hands are up. Because he expects me to pick him up and put him on my shoulders and carry him down the trail. Are we expecting of God to answer our prayers? This posture of being like this, lifting hands to a holy God is, is one saying, I'm humbled by the weight of the world and my weakness, but I'm also expecting you to do something. I'm, I'm ready to receive, as one theologian put it. I'm ready to receive what I'm pleading to you for. And a lot of us say, well, why hasn't God given it? I've been asking, I've been asking. Because... 
do we really know that God's our only rock? Do we have we gotten so low? Has God left us so alone that He realize that we realize He's really our only saving refuge? That He is. Not this circumstance. Not this job coming through. Not this relationship working out. Not this house. Whatever it is, do we realize that God is our only refuge, our only help? He is our only shepherd. Sometimes praise God that He withholds these things from us. David would not be so magnificent if David did not know the deep lows and the deep struggles to the point where he even questioned, is God even going to remember me? But because God let him get so low and then God came through to show himself faithful to David, David is so sure of God. How do you know? How do you know that you are actually experiencing all the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus that God has for us? There's a sure tell tell sign. David says, verse 7, my heart trusts in him. Verse 7, my heart exalts in him. There are so many Christians, I myself included, that go in this life where we know our weakness, we know our helplessness, we know God is, has help to offer, but we're not experiencing it. And the way that we know that we're part of that group, that we're not experiencing the fullness of God, is that our heart is not trusting in Him. Our heart is not exalting in Him. There's not a praise in our mouth and a song in our heart because we're not experiencing that. Saints, if that's you, that's me, cry out longer. Cry out louder. Plead with God for mercy. And He will meet our needs. He will meet our needs. The suffering, the fallenness of this world, the trials are not going to end. They are not going to end. But because of Christ Jesus, because of His faithfulness, because of His crying out, on the cross, under the pain and excruciating suffering that we deserved, we know that God will always answer our call. I called this sermon the, uh, I have a terrible tendency to uh, give sermons titles because churches are always asking for the title before I actually study the passage very well. And the title of this sermon is The Red Phone. And I explained it to my wife and she didn't quite get it. The Red Phone, you ever see those movies? We're in the room. Maybe it's like a a war room or something like that. And there's a red phone. And that red phone, you never touch the red phone. Only unless you need to. Because that red phone goes directly to the top. Directly to the president. And if you pick up that red phone and you dial that red phone, the president's going to answer. This is called the red phone because we have a phone that answers to somebody greater than any earthly authority. Somebody that actually has authority over the earth. And that's God. The red phone. Through our prayers, we have access to God Almighty. Saints, cry out to Him. He will answer you because of Jesus Christ. He will answer you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have answered us. You answer our prayers. Even the prayers for the, uh, the clouds to break um, and us to be able to hear your word, to be strengthened, that your Holy Spirit would take something from this sermon and tie it to our hearts because trials are coming. 
we're, we're never short on them, but we're also never short on help. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Until you come, until Christ comes, until uh, he, he tarries for however much longer, we are helpless, but we're not without help. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.